Uh, please be joined now by pollster and political consultant Joshua Doss. We will meet Joshua Doss in just a moment at the intersection of presidential race, the presidential race, economic anxiety, and black voters. I'm pleased to welcome Joshua Doss to this program. Joshua, how are you today, sir? Travis, my man, I'm doing I'm doing all right. How are you? Man, if I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I am doing remarkably well and I'm delighted, <laughs> of course, to be to be in dialogue with you. Um, there are a couple of things that I had a chance to talk to Doug Brinkley about that I want to raise with you. Uh, and I want to start here for all the obvious reasons. Uh, I mentioned um, in our conversation, he and I uh, discussed in our dialogue, uh, uh, our concern about whether or not we're going to get pulled into a wider war here in the Middle East, given that these three American soldiers were killed uh, over the weekend. Uh, and <clears throat> in Jordan, <clears throat> excuse me, we were told that uh, they were killed by uh, an Iran-backed militia. And President Biden, as you well know, has vowed that we will respond um, to the murder, the death of these three soldiers. Now we've learned that uh, this was, uh, was uh, uh, preventable. Uh, there was a mistake in drones. One drone had gone out, uh, another was uh, uh, coming in, and uh, there was confusion about the drones. They didn't uh, engage the defense system quickly enough. That drone got through and killed these three soldiers. That's problematic on a number of different levels. Uh, what's really disturbing, and we believe that all life has value, all life is precious, make no mistake about that, but it turns out, as you well know, Joshua, that these three soldiers were all African-American. Sergeant William Rivers, 46, of Carrollton, Georgia. Specialist Kennedy, Kennedy Sanders, 24, of Waycross, Georgia. And Specialist Brianna Moffitt, 23, of Savannah, Georgia. Um, they're all young, but 23 and 24 and 46. Uh, two sisters, one brother, all dead. Uh, the chances that these persons would all be black um, is just, you know, unfathomable. Uh, this whole conversation we could have about recruitment, about the way the military recruits these young uh, brothers and sisters in neighborhoods all across the country. I could spend, spend an hour, and I may at some point, just talking about the recruitment, how the military is reaching out more aggressively than ever to these black and brown people uh, to join the military. I got commentary about that that I'll hold for another time. But the point is that everybody in black America uh, and the whole nation saw yesterday the faces of these three soldiers and we're all shocked that all three of them are african-americans i said to douglas brinkley moments ago that this thing works a bunch of different ways joshua as you know because on the one hand while black folk are christians and that connects us to israel in a variety of ways obviously we also resonate with the pain and suffering that the palestinian people are going through and my read as i sit in this seat every day for three hours is a whole lot of black folk ain't happy with the way the president is stewarding our involvement in this uh Middle East uh, saga, uh, as, as as it were, and then to find out that the first three American soldiers killed are all black. I'm not sure this bodes well for Joe Biden on any level. Um, that's the backstory. Give me your read on it. Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right uh, when you say that there are, is a lot of pain and disappointment with how uh, the president is handling this conflict in Gaza. Um, it's It's almost an objective fact that he has pissed off many people. That supported him in the first place, frankly. Um, and the, the intersection there that black folks have as being overwhelmingly Christian, but also seeing what it looks like uh, when uh, uh, another racial group is running into what, what feels uh, very all too familiar, a, 
of, of white supremacy and how it uh, engages with, with brown people across the country. Uh, Pre- President Biden is in a conundrum. I mean, it, it is going to be a, a tough sell for him to talk to black folks and just folks in general about this issue. One thing I will say is that uh, so, some of the areas that maybe he should be the most scared about is that the folks that are growing into uh, being a, a biggest part of the voting bloc millennial and Gen Z voters, particularly black and brown ones, mm-hmm. are of the most disappointed with President Biden's handling of this conflict. I, I believe something like 45 percent um, of, of voters under the age of 30 believe that Biden is way too supportive of Israel um, and, and pr- frankly, support uh, Palestine in this conflict. So uh, it, it will be an interesting pivot that he'll have to make to come to communicate with these voters as he's leading up until, until the November election. Let me ask you when we come forward here how you think he best does that pivot, because now we, we know what frame we're in. Um, I don't need to repeat what I just said. Uh, we know how black people feel uh, about this, uh, broadly speaking, that is about the way the president has handled or mishandled this crisis in the Middle East. And now we learn that these three soldiers are all African-Americans. Um, and um, to use Do- Joshua Doss's word, the president's got to find a way to pivot on this. Now, I, 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 it's, it's a conundrum, no matter how you look at it. On the one hand, he has to respond, no matter what color they are, three American soldiers are dead. And so, as he should do and say as president, there will be a swift, certain and severe response. So we expect that to come out of his mouth. But that's the response. Um, How that uh, impacts uh, people and how they view him uh, in terms of voting for him is a whole nother conversation. And so I want to ask Joshua how he thinks the president pivots on this issue, given that these three soldiers are all African-Americans and we ain't feeling that. We ain't trying to hear that. Uh, Our guest is Joshua Doss. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Hope, agency, dignity. This is Tavis Smiley. Can you dig it? Come on! Sounds Sounds different, different. huh? This is Tavis Smiley. Some breaking Donald Trump news here. Uh, Trump stays on the Illinois ballot as the election board there declines to ban him. Just released on the AP that Donald Trump stays on the Illinois ballot. Uh, as the election board in the state of Illinois, the land of Lincoln, we're just talking to Douglas Brinkley about Abraham Lincoln, uh, uh, the election board in the uh, land of Lincoln uh, uh, declines to ban him from being on the ballot. Um, our guest, Joshua Doss, uh, and I will get to that a little bit later in this conversation as we unpack some things about Donald Trump and that news, uh, because all these different states are having their say whether he's on the ballot, not on the ballot, of course, we're waiting for the Supreme Court to decide a couple of things, whether or not, one, he can claim presidential immunity uh, and get him out of all this mess. Uh, and the other issue, of course, is uh, how are we going to handle all these 50 states deciding whether he can or can't be on the ballot. So we got two Supreme Court decisions coming uh, somewhere down the road, and uh, Joshua Doss and I will talk about that as well. But we continue now our conversation, uh, Joshua, about uh, these three American soldiers who were killed uh, in this uh, attack, this drone attack uh, over the weekend, all three happened to be African Americans, and that kind of sort of shocked everybody when we saw their faces yesterday, when their names and identities uh, were released. Uh, and you and I both agree, this is a, a tricky and a very sticky situation for the president. He uh, are, is headed toward a primary in South Carolina, which we expected he will win, of course. Uh, and yet his numbers in black America, you're, you're, you're the poster. Uh, we, you can talk about it. Uh, but his numbers 
and, and let me just let me let me frame this and ask you whether or not this is true. So every poll, every study, every survey I read suggested his numbers in black America at best are soft. He's certainly still winning in black America, but there's all kind of concern about how soft his numbers are. Here again on what's today, Tuesday, Sunday, I think it was big story in The Washington Post that I read about black men and Donald Trump and black men and Joe Biden. And so the best I can tell is that his numbers in black America are soft. Then you enter into that, this uh, drama about uh, about these three soldiers now being killed, all black, uh, that black folk are not happy. Young black folk in particular are not happy about the way he's stewarding this crisis uh, in the Middle East. And your point was that he needs to pivot on this issue. What does that mean and how does he do it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, the, the, fir- the very first thing he can do uh, is commit to going to to, to, to the, the funerals of these young people. I, I don't know if this reporting is, is exactly correct, but I heard that there's even uh, questions about whether he's going to show up to the memorials uh, for these black soldiers. Um, that is the absolute bare minimum. And then, you know, also, I, I feel like there's a conversation that he needs to be having. I saw a thousand black pastors um, sure. came out. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you saw that. Calling for a ceasefire. Um, black folks are at the point, I think, when it comes to President Biden's handling of this conflict, but just politics in general, where results matter. Right. I'm a pollster. I'm a message development guy. A lot of what I'm doing is about messaging. And I believe it has a point, uh, a position. in and when we talk about politics, but at the end of the day, you know, a lot of what black folks are looking for is results. If folks are wanting a ceasefire, then that is the, I believe, the only pivot that, uh, that President Biden could make to, to, to even begin to, to mend uh, some of the damage that he's done with black voters. In Michigan, uh, we discussed this with one of my guests yesterday. In Michigan, that Arab community, that significant, uh, sizable Arab community in Michigan, which can swing votes in that state, has always sent word to him, don't even come this way. We don't even want to see you. They made it very clear, don't even come to us. We don't want to see you. There's nothing you can say or do at this point that's going to change our minds. We will not vote for you in the state of Michigan. And that's a strong outpost, uh, that Arab community in the state of Michigan. Um, it hasn't gotten that bad for him in black America yet. But to your point, we discussed mm-hmm. this We discussed this yesterday, Joshua. Um, the article that you referenced um, were all these black churches, uh, hundreds of them, are demanding on behalf of their parishioners, they're being pushed, as they said in this article, by their parishioners to demand that there be a ceasefire in this war. And so he's he's in a tricky situation. Again, even as we head toward South Carolina days from now, the primary there, uh, and again, I expect him to win. But to your point about messaging uh, and to your point that he should certainly attend the memorial services, the funerals for these three black soldiers, one I, I haven't seen these families yet. I, I, I've heard that one one of the mothers has been on television on CNN talking about losing her baby. I don't know, one, that the president would be invited or welcome to these services. I assume he would be. So, one, we got we, we don't know whether or not he'd be, even be welcomed by the families to come to these services. Uh, that's another issue. I suspect, again, they wouldn't turn down the president coming to a funeral for their baby. But the flip side of this is that there are, there are soldiers, sadly, American soldiers who die all the time in these uh, these war uh, excursions, uh, and the president can't attend every funeral. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, and you, you see where I'm going with this already, you're the poster here. If Joe Biden all of a sudden, for political reasons, putting that in air quotes, shows up at the funerals of these three black soldiers in a race against Donald Trump, 
I cannot imagine how the right would lose their minds and pull out all pull out all the stops about all the white soldiers that were killed in various parts of the globe that uh, uh, on his watch that he did not go to their funerals for. I mean, th th it's not a long list. We ain't had a whole lot of dead soldiers in, thankfully, in, in on his watch. But I'm sure it wouldn't take them long to dig into his past as president and certainly his past as vice president under Obama and make the case. So now you're showing up for funerals for Negro soldiers, for black soldiers, but you didn't show up for the white. Mm -hmm. I mean, they would, they would weaponize mm -hmm. this against him in the worst way. So I hear your point that he needs to pivot, but can't you see the weaponization of that against him in this, in this kind of race? I, I, I think, I think Tavis, you accurately and eloquently pointed out in the first part of this conversation that it could be weaponized against him if he doesn't. Yeah. Right. And so when you're in a damned, if you do damned, if you don't situation, I'm, I think that he should choose his base, right? I think he should choose the black and Brown people that ushered him into the oval office. Um, at, at the end of the day, the folks that are going to believe these hyper politicized points coming from the matter, right. Are, are to some being considered as too far gone anyway, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so when, when you're in that type of situation, you have to make a choice. If I'm President Biden, I'm choosing the folks that, that put me in office in the first place. And not to mention, I'm choosing the folks of which I've seen a tw almost a 20-point decrease in approval rating down to that 61% um, approval in just a couple of years of being their president. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to talk to you because um, it, it's fascinating for me to be able to talk to uh, African-American pollsters. Um, uh, the, we can put too much stock in polls, uh, and yet um, mm -hmm. while polls are a snapshot in time, uh, we also see a pattern uh, in many of these polls. So I'm honored to talk to Joshua Doss on this program today. I can tell you now Cornell Belcher will be on this program on Monday. So we're, we're making sure we're bringing in black posters to tell us what they are seeing, which may not always be the same things that other posters are seeing. So Joshua Doss today, Cornell Belcher, another preeminent black poster, will be joined with us on this program on Monday in our first hour. But that I, I raise that because I want to just celebrate <laughs> celebrate black posters, number one. Uh, you guys need some love, too. Uh, but, 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 but secondly... Um, how do you, what's the word I want to use here? How do you, um, how do you explain uh, all of these polls, and again, that are snapshots in time, but they all have a theme to them, and the theme is, there are a couple of things. One theme that I want to unpack, let you unpack right quick here. One theme is that his numbers, Biden's numbers, that is, in black America, uh, his numbers are soft, number one. And number two, all these articles and polls that suggest that Donald Trump may make inroads with black male voters in particular. There are two issues. I'll shut up. Take them as you will. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, I appreciate you for, for the flowers there. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you said it. I don't have to say it again, but I will. <laughs> polls, polls are a snapshot in time, um, but they are directional and they do tell us stories. Right. And one of those stories is about the support um, that, that Donald Trump, or I'm sorry, that President Biden is seeing decrease this erosion of support. I will also mention this, and I know that Cornell Belcher is going to mention this when he's on the show uh, in a couple of days. President Obama uh, was, was dealing with some of the same erosion among young voters and voters of color going into 2012. That felt like after one term of Obama, they didn't get what they were promised, right? Mm. That doesn't mean that this is just 
uh, something we can throw completely away. But it, it does mean that there has been a pattern of, of this, this erosion of support. Um, another thing I'll say, just taking a step back here, this erosion of support among voters of color, particularly black voters, has existed pretty much since Obama left the political stage. Um, I, I actually don't believe that it's unique to Joe Biden. Um, I, I think Democrats have been facing this problem up and down the ballot, and, and I think it's based in them not being able to present their prior their, their policy priorities through black values, the values of hard work, respect, contribution. Some of these values have been abandoned and conceded in the messaging of the uh, of the left, and I think that it is having an effect uh, on black voters. Um, to get to your second point about Trump uh, beating President Biden. Uh, as it were to stand right now, I, 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 I'll say this. Look, I, I wouldn't read too much into it. We, we're still pretty far away from an election. We technically don't even have a candidate representing the Republican Party yet, right? Uh, there's a host of uncontrolled variables at this time. There are more important numbers than the horse race numbers in, in these polls. Mm-hmm. When I'm looking at a poll, most times I'm looking at, uh, I, I'm looking at how the messages um, that are in that poll, the message testing is, is landing with, with the constituencies that are on the table uh, for, those, uh, for, for my candidate. I'm looking at the issue priorities. Are, are these constituents focused on this thing while my candidate is, is saying this? And, and, and I'm looking at, you know, the way that the opposition messages are landing for, for mm-hmm. my candidate. Do those oppos numbers, is, is my opponent doing a good job of defining my candidate? Um, all of these things are much more important than a horse race number. That being said, it does tell us that this election, if it were to happen right now, would come down to about a, a couple hundred thousand voters in some swing states, right? And that we are very, very close uh, to seeing a, a, a President uh, Trump back in office. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that point in a second, I promise. Um, I mentioned Cornell. You mentioned Cornell Belcher. Uh, too many Cornells around here. Cornell West, Cornell Belcher. One spells, his, <laughs> one spells his name with two L's. One spells his name with one L. I'll let you figure that out. Uh, but Cornell Belcher, uh, <laughs> the one with two L's, will be on this program uh, on Monday. And I, I called Cornell yesterday and asked him to come on, uh, Joshua, in part because he, he wrote a pretty provocative piece for the L.A. Times a couple of days ago, and the piece was titled, Why You Should Not Panic Over Polls Showing Trump Leading Biden. Why You Should Not Panic Over Polls Showing Trump Leads Biden. That's the piece that Cornell wrote for the L.A. Times. I want to give him a chance to unpack that when he joins us uh, in a few days on this program. My question is whether or not mm-hmm. uh, you agree with Cornell Belcher's assessment, another black poster, that at the moment, even though there's a pattern in these polls, that we shouldn't panic. I don't think panic uh, is where we should be at this moment. I do think that we should be alarmed. And I don't think that we should ever um, disregard the tone-setting power that President Trump has, not just among his base, but among independents that are growing in the, in the voting electorate that used to be 37% of the voting electorate are up to something like 40-something, 45%. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in that same breath, I want to mention that President Biden, uh, was able to put together a very different coalition than than Clinton in 16 and Obama the years prior. He, mm-hmm. he, he did much better with seniors than those uh, former Democrats did. He did much better with white seniors than Democrats usually do. He did much better in the suburbs um, than those Democrats usually do. So some of the erosion that we're seeing of his traditional base, some of the, the, the black and brown folks that we still want uh, him, of course, to, uh, to address and speak to, may end up being a little less critical 
because he has some some cushion there. Um, that's just another perspective on what folks are seeing right now. But uh, by and large, I wouldn't say that we should be panicked panicking but i think that we should be playing paying very close attention when we come forward um i I want to 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 put you on the spot i said a moment ago um that i want to give some love to black posters and i did and i do and now i want to challenge you (laughs) when we come forward so i give you love on the one hand now i want to now i want to mess with you on the other hand um you mentioned the horse race uh, a couple times and, and, and I'm wondering whether or not, whether it's done by black posters like Joshua Doss or Cornell Belcher or others, whether or not these polls aid and abet um, wittingly or unwittingly the mainstream media in its focus on covering the horse race. The mainstream media, mainstream media does it all wrong. We don't talk about the issues. We cover the horse race. And I wonder to what extent it's these polls that people keep panicking about, that keeps the mainstream media focused on, in fact, covering the horse race. Since he went there, we'll go there. Our guest is Joshua Doss on Tavis Smiley. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. More of Joshua Doss coming your way right now. Brilliant black poster, political analyst. Uh, I am delighted to have him on this program in this hour as we uh, uh, try to get our arms around uh, the uh, the crowded intersection that is the presidential race, economic anxiety, and black voters. Um, I want to get right back to your comment earlier, um, Josh, your, your, your reference, uh, Joshua, a couple times to the horse race. My view is that the media does a horrible job. Uh, of covering the horse race, uh, not so good a job at getting to the issues. One could argue, in theory, one could argue that it's these polls that we see all the time uh, that aid and abet them uh, in their covering the horse race. So I ask you, uh, good sir, uh, what to your mind is the good, the bad, and the ugly of all <laughs> these polls that we are inundate, inundated with day in and day out? Yeah, look, I, I don't think that your uh, your perspective is flawed. I, I I pretty much agree with you, even at sitting here as a pollster. I think that uh, there is it is incumbent upon pollsters and other folks that work with public opinion uh, to not allow uh, the the numbers that they're producing through their research to be convoluted um, and and uh, misrepresented in ways that it just has been rampant. I think in like the last ten years. In, in saying that, I'll say that polls are extremely important. Mm-hmm. Uh, they shape the government's understanding of of what uh, um, the, the the understanding of what people want their from their leaders, right? And there's no other thing that does such a good job at connecting directly with our leaders, right? They give us opportunities to rein those leaders in, um, and, and I think the largest function of polling actually gets lost in the sea of pre-election forecasting, as we've talked about before. If Senator X uh, wakes up and says I decide, he decides he's pro-life now, uh, Senator X might think differently before uh, improperly representing his district if he's handed a poll saying that he will get fired mm-hmm. if he does so, right? Mm-hmm. So, so public opinion polls have been instrumental in shaping um, so many things. Even Supreme Court decisions have been shaped by public opinion um, in ways that I believe that they should have. So I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that some of what uh, we've been using these polls for has been just wildly uh, irresponsible. 
We'll come back in a moment to this breaking news uh, out of Illinois that Donald Trump will stay on the ballot in the uh, land of Lincoln. Uh, We'll get to that a little bit later in this dialogue. But there are two things you said earlier that I want to give you a chance to unpack before I move to that uh, that news. Um, You you talked earlier about messaging. And one of the one of the things that you all do as pollsters uh, is to help us um, with help us understand the messaging, how it's impacting, how it's landing, how it's not working. And obviously, uh, when uh, campaigns see uh, the poll work, the poll results uh, done by Joshua Doss or Cornell Belch or anybody else, uh, they can figure how they want to shape and frame or reframe uh, their appeal. Um, So you used that word messaging earlier. And I want to ask you, as a black pollster, the question I've asked of others, but not of a black pollster, and that is when it comes to Joe Biden and Douglas Brinkley, and I was just talking about this in our first hour today, uh, he made the point that uh, that Joe Biden would never be accused of being a great orator, that he, he'd been called many things. He would never be called a great orator. No question about that, which leads me to ask in this campaign specifically were black voters are concerned in all these polls, again, that show his numbers are soft with black voters, more principally with African-American men. Is it the messenger or the messaging? It's both. It's both, Travis. I, 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 I'll be honest. I don't even know which one is, is it more. Um, I think the, the messenger needs to start playing team basketball and talk about something broader than himself. Um, America is not a place where we have kings and queens that make decisions unilaterally and indiscriminately. Um, and if I were them to circumvent uh, some of the conversations about the messenger's age and the messenger's mental fitness, um, I, I would start illuminating the strength of the, the messenger's administration. Um, I, I think that that would be the best way for, for him to pivot. I also think that, uh, you know, the, 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 the message itself, the Biden campaign seems to maybe have lost the script a little bit. Um, if you look at the last couple of weeks of, the, of that 2020 election they they were on message it, it, it was it was scratton joe it was hard hat lunch pail messages about faith and values and middle class economics and, and it just doesn't seem to be quite the same anymore and I, and i think that they it, it, they would do themselves some good by getting back to talking about the things that people can relate, particularly black men can mm-hmm. uh, that are voting on, which is pocketbook issues. Yep. Speaking of messaging, I, I asked this question of uh, again, presidential historian Doug Brinkley, in our first hour. I want to ask you about it now, Joshua Dawson. This hour, um, a point specifically about messaging. So uh, the question is whether or not this 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 message point that the president has laid out that this election really is about saving our democracy. We know that Trump is the guy they want to run against. They think they got the best chance of beating him. They've done it before. But they also don't want to lose to this guy because of the existential threat that his victory would would, would, would represent for this experiment, as I call it, this experiment in democracy. My question, though, is whether or not that, as they say down south, will that dog hunt? Is that the right message? Douglas Brinkley thought not. I want to see what Joshua Doss thinks about this message that this election is about saving this democracy from authoritarianism, from anarchy. Is that a winning message? Is that a winning strategy? I, I, I just believe that it, it, it's about who the message is winning with. It wins with some folks. That message wins with college-educated voters. It wins with white voters. It wins with voters from the suburbs. It doesn't win with black and brown, but not just black voters, but Latinos voters as, as well. 
we're, we're talking about folks who either are or feel like they're at the bottom of the hierarchy of needs, right? And they are looking more so at gas and groceries and things of that nature that are just microeconomic and not so uh, broad about free and fair elections. We, we talk to these folks, folks in focus groups every day. Uh, we run these messages about saving democracy in, in polls every day. It's not it's not fairing. Uh, I'll also add here, too, with low propensity black voters, with black voters that are a little less educated on some of these uh, big topics. Another message that's not winning and it's not coming so much from from President Biden, but from Democrats uh, across the board is this civic engagement message. You, you, your ancestors uh, died for you to mm. vote, and that's why you need to come out to vote. Mm-hmm. It's not working anymore. It used to work. Mm-hmm. It's particularly not working with the black men that are starting to defect to the Republican Party a little bit. They feel that their ancestors died for them to have the option to vote or not vote. And they, if they take that option, they don't feel like they're in dis- dislocation with the, the will of their ancestors. So there's a lot of places that, that Democrats as a whole are missing black voters. And I think that that message that you talked about at the top is just not it. I'm glad you went there. When we come forward, I want to probe that a little bit more. i got a couple of questions I want to ask you about that because I've, I've, I've sort of said that myself. These black men and black women, for that matter, black voters, period, uh, across the board, are not stuck on stupid. Um, they understand that this democracy in many ways is dysfunctional. I talk to smart people on this show every day, uh, not as just not just as not just my guests. I'm talking now about the audience. I got a really smart audience, and they understand in the many the myriad ways that our democracy is dysfunctional. So when you come with that pablum, and I, I that's what I think it is that pablum that the two most important days in your life are election day and judgment day. Your vote is your voice. If you don't vote, you don't have any voice. I mean, all that stuff may be true, but you hear Joshua Dodd saying, it ain't working. It's not resonating. And yet, for whatever reason, uh, you know, your, your ancestors died for you to have the right to vote. All that stuff may be very well and true, but as a messaging point, it is not working. My question is for Joshua Doss, when we come forward, why is it not working for black voters? And more importantly, what message will work for black voters? You'll get Joshua's answers to those two questions and more when we come forward on Tavis Smile. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Do you who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. Joshua Doss, you went there, so I want to follow you. That that messaging uh, that the two most important days in your life are election day and judgment day, and your voice is your vote, and your ancestors die if you have the right to vote. That used to work on black folk. Uh, why is it not working any longer? Uh, and what messaging would work for black folk? Yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you, Travis. I, I I have only theories about why it doesn't work. Um, many of which I feel like other folks that are studying low propensity black voters might disagree with. Uh, but I I I think it can be more simple than than what we're thinking. I think that a lot of folks it's not working for them because it is just simply not connected to enough substance. Mm-hmm. It's not connected to enough data to to, to, to data points. Um, the message alone, as it stands, isn't connected to results, right? We're starting to call our low propensity black voters the show me the money book voters. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not talking about what's uh, something that they could put on a table, they don't really want to hear about it, right? And so I think that the, 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 the promise that maybe even a president, Bi- uh, Barack Obama, um, used as esteem 
might not work as much. We need to start talking about the progress that has been made. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that no, something I know that does work um, w- when you're talking to black voters is framing policy priorities through our values. The Democratic Party it, it does a really a bad job at this and actually dispossesses agency when it talks about our policy pieces as just poverty reduction and not general wealth or generational wealth building, right? Mm -hmm. We take some of those same policy pieces. I'll give you an example, a child tax credit. You know, when we, when we message that uh, in a poll um, using the language that the democratic party is using, how many kids it'll bring it out of poverty. It does okay with black voters. When we change that as something that will allow you to get back to work, it positions, uh, black voters in this, uh, as particularly black men as, as powerful. You're the builder. These policies are just tools to help you build your own life. It doesn't dispossess the agency that they seek to have. Um, and it encourages them to, to, to uh, stand beside our policy priorities. So I think just a, a, a slight a slight change in how we're talking about some things that have already happened, uh, adding in some of those those data points and changing our posture and how we talk about this uh, helps with uh, speaking with black voters. As I, as I listen to you brilliantly make that point, it's a powerful point. As I listen to you, Joshua, break that down, I have two thoughts I want to probe on, uh, probe you on when we come forward in our remaining moments here. Um, as I hear you lay out what you just laid out, I could be of the mind, and I am on the one hand, that black voters are now more sophisticated. That sim- that Those simple lines don't work on us anymore because black voters writ large are more sophisticated. When you have eight years of Barack Obama where black folk are paying attention, they're tapped in prior to that. I, I say this with some humility, but you had the Covenant with Black America book that sold millions of copies. It got people ready for the Obama moment in 2008. The 20th anniversary of that book uh, uh, is this year. We'll put a new version out this year. But over time, over the last 20 years, black voters have become more sophisticated. And that's why that simple stuff doesn't work on the one hand. On the other hand, I also believe that we live in a country, frankly, sadly, where our demos writ large has been dumbed down. I don't know which is correct, that black voters are more sophisticated or we got a dumbed down demos. What's Joshua Dobbs think about it when we come forward? For all the freedom-loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like Smart talk for curious people just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Joshua Doss, got about four minutes left in this conversation. I want to give you as much of that four minutes as I can. Um, to your comment of moments ago, I can read that two ways, one of two ways, that black voters are more sophisticated. That's how I want to read it, but but I, I do this every day. And in many respects, I just believe that our demos writ large is just dumbed down. So how can you have a more sophisticated black voting block in a dumbed down demos? I, I don't. I don't know. If, uh, I'm gonna push back here on those two okay. options. Okay. I think I, re- I think I reject the premise. Okay. Um, and the reason why is because when I look at when we look at these surveys, we go into uh, the the cross tabulation documents that show us how black people in different demographics within blackness um, are engaging with politics. The biggest divides that we see are actually not. Uh, education. The diploma divide was incredibly important when we were talking about white voters, non-college educated white voters that voted differently to put in President Trump. Not so much with black, black and brown voters. The, the divide that we see most often is a generational divide. And I think that that general uh, deflection to the, Republican part, or to the Republican Party that we're seeing among black voters is being driven by younger voters. 
uh, voters under the age of 40, 74 percent of them uh, uh, disapprove of, of Joe Biden. I think that they're a lot younger. And I think that the threats, the world that they were born into is further away from the threats that we talk about sometimes with some of these messages. Yeah. Right. And I think that the, the Gen Z voting bloc, as they are growing into their political power, there's 41 million members of Gen Z that are going to be able to, to eligible to vote in 2024. I just think that they're thinking differently about the threats mm-hmm. uh, that, that are in front of them. And they're not as mobilized yeah. uh, by some of the things that we've been pr- talking about in the past. Yep, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, here's my exit question. Uh, the breaking news of this hour uh, in Illinois, um, Donald Trump will remain on the ballot. Uh, they had the option uh, to uh, kick him off and they chose not to do that. I'm sitting in California. This program is heard across the country, but as you know, I'm based in L.A. And here in California, our Secretary of State, Shirley Weber, decided to leave him on the ballot here as well. I've said many times, I think that's a wise strategy. I think kicking him off of ballots in any states, any state, before he's been found guilty of anything uh, that would warrant that, uh, is a mistake. I think it plays into his hands. It's more red meat for his base. So I think it's it, if you want to beat him, beat him at the ballot box. I don't think you do that preemptively by kicking him off of ballots in various states. That's my own assessment. Uh, my question to you finally with the 60 seconds I have left is how you read this news today or how you think the future is going to shape this conversation about whether he stays on ballots in all 50 states. Um, I, can't, I can't exactly say if I think it will shape that conversation in other states, but I can say I absolutely agree with your analysis, right? Um, one of the critiques of the Democratic Party right now is that they too soft. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to beat President Trump, you gotta want you want you gotta want the smoke, right? Mm-hmm. Um, put them on the ballot. Let let this representative democracy do, do what it does, right? The Fourteenth Amendment ban on insurrection, insurrectionists um, holding office is here to protect us. But I don't think that we should we should uh, leave that up to 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 you know. Uh, the mercy of yeah. majoritarian will. We we put them on the ballot. Let them let them win or lose. Let there the American go. people speak. There you go. Uh, and this is why you talk to black posters because I can assure you, um, you will never talk to a white poster. I've talked to many, 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 many of them in my career, and ain't one of them ever said you got to want the smoke. Uh, nobody has ever said <laughs> <laughs> you got to want the smoke. Uh, but Joshua Dodge came that way. And the funny part about it is, every one of you knew exactly what he was talking about when he said you got to want the smoke. And that again is why you talk to. Black Black posters like Joshua Dosh. Joshua, good to have you on. We'll do it again, my friend. All the best to you. Tavis, appreciate you, man. Take care. Delighted to have you on. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward.